Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Thank you for your brother, for your sister, for your brother, man, serving. For my brothers in the back, serving the Lord. My brother, show, serving the Lord, man, thank you. Thank you for my sister in the back, serving the Lord as you greet. My brother Domingo, serving the Lord as an elder. Man. And I pray as you all serve and as I serve that we serve with joy, man. I was telling show, man, my prayer has been over the course of the past probably few years. According to Psalm 50, Lord, 51, Lord, restore the joy of my salvation. I like joy. I want joy. God commands us to have joy and he gives us joy. And it's just a quick little story. When I came in today, and I prayed that on the way here, driving all the way from the West End, I'm like, Lord, I want joy. I don't just want to do this out of a duty. I don't just want to be moving as a believer out of duty, even drudgery. I want to have joy because people can sense joy. They know when it's real, when you have been in the presence of the Lord. And, and I remember, man, I, I said, man, Show and share with me our brother worship and I and, and it's about the Lord, but I was like, man, I'm 47, man. I gave my life to the Lord when I was 23, a week before my 24th birthday. And and believe and I'm from St. Louis, from the streets of St. Louis. You can be seated if you need to be. But but I'm from the streets of St. Louis, and so I didn't know no Christian music. I knew one person that a brother had shared with me, Fred Hammond. And then I went to this concert, man, and I heard my brother here. This over 20-some years ago with a group called Men of Standard. And I, and I mentioned this not just to highlight you, bro, but, man, that was when, man, that zeal and that joy. I remember being at that concert. It wasn't about no Christian hip-hop. I ain't know nothing about no Christian hip-hop, 116. But I was jumping up because I had the joy of the Lord. And when he told me that's the brother from, I say, Lord, that is something because that's the joy I want that day. When I was in that concert, probably been saved a couple weeks. I want that joy because this world, our own sin will sap the joy out of us. And that's why in the Psalm, Psalm 51, which is the first portion of scripture that I ever memorized because I was incarcerated and an old preacher just told me, just please, just read it three times a day for the rest of this week. And there was a whole backstory to that. And I told the preacher after I had dogged him out because I didn't have one, nothing, want, want to do nothing with the faith. I said, I'll do that. That psalm has become a staple. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before you. Against you and you only have I sinned and done evil in your sight. And later on, I won't quote the whole thing, but then it says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. So, I pray that we have joy as we sit under the word, the authority of the word. We celebrated the Super Bowl, LA won, and had the NBA.
If I had to have a title for this message, it would be, Be Ready or Not, He is Coming. Be Ready or Not, He is Coming. There's a text, Luke chapter 12, verse 35 through 48, and then our parallel text is Matthew 24, 45 through 51. But if you would go to Luke chapter 12, verse 35 through 48, we'll read that. If you don't have a Bible, I don't know if it'll be on the screen. I don't, man, I'm such a dinosaur. I don't have no computer no more. I just write it out and couldn't send it in. But, you know, back in the old, I'm sure in the first century with no computers. I don't know. Maybe so. They just heard. But I know you got a word. If you don't have the word, just please listen along. We'll read the word of God. Luke chapter 12, verse 35 through 48. Kind of lengthy, but it's all right. Saint Twitter, so we can do it. We can do it. Verse 35, Luke chapter 12 says, Be ready for service and have your lamps lit. You are to be like people waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can open the door for him and at once, at once. Blessed will be those servants the master finds alert when he comes, truly I tell you, he will get ready, have them recline at the table, then come and serve them. <laughs> it's amazing. If he comes in the middle of the night or even near dawn and finds them alert, blessed are those servants. But know this, if the homeowner had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also be ready. Because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. 41st verse, Lord, Peter asked, always asking questions, that's my insert. Are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord said, who then is the faithful and sensible manager his master will put in charge of his household servants to give them their allotted food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and starts to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, that servant's master will come on a day he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will and didn't prepare himself or do it will be severely beaten. But the one who did not know and did what, des did what deserved punishment will receive a light beating. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, even more will be expected. So a parallel passage in Matthew, which is a part of our text. I'm on assignment. This is what they gave me. So we're going to read that. I'll read it. Matthew 24, 45 through 51. After I read it, we'll go back to Luke and kind of break it down. Matthew 24, 45 through 51. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master has put in charge of his household? 
to give them food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says in his heart, my master is delayed and starts to beat his fellow servant and eats and drinks with drunkards, that servant's master will come on a day he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Man, weighty. But let's dive in. I want to break this Luke as we go back to Luke chapter 12, verse 35 through 40. Let's, Let's break it into kind of two parts. The first part is Luke 12, 35 through 40. And uh, I'll entitle this, or if I had a a subtitle for this, it would be our Lord's future return should affect our present reality. Our Lord's future return should affect how we moving right now. And then Luke 41 will be the second portion we'll deal with, Luke 41 through 48. Our present responsibility and how we handle it will affect our future reward or punishment. Our present responsibility that we have and how we handle it will affect our future reward or punishment. Let's go to verse 35. Very direct, our Lord says, be ready for service and have your lamps Lit. Be ready for service and have your lamps lit. Let me give you this quote because I know my brother show love the quotes. It says, readiness, and I don't know who said this, but readiness is when your desire is stronger than your distraction. When your desire is stronger than your distraction. I, I, I mentioned, man, and, it, and I, man, the first time that I was discipled was not as a Christian. It was in the streets. And that's a little sidebar because a lot of times brothers in the streets, you know, they'll spend more time with you discipling you than we as Christians who commanded by our Lord to do. But that's another thing. And it, and it, and it was this dude. And the reason why I say this is because when I was young, I, grew, I, I went straight into the street life and I had a mentor and his name was Ready Said. That was his name. He was ready. And he told me a quote that I thought he made up, but everybody know if you stay what? Ready, you won't have to. I thought he made that up. I thought it was so hip, but I found out nothing new under the sun. But Ready said the reason why they called him that because he always kept his strap on you. Closed caption for you kids. I'm sorry, but he always, and he told me, you need to stay ready. That's what Ready said taught me. And my desire was, I want to stay alive on these streets. (laughs) So it kept me ready. I want money and all the things sinful. So it kept me ready. Just like those of you who have had another life and went to school, the distractions. If you were in college, you stayed ready and prepared for tests. There's a lot of distractions, I'm sure, in college. I'm sure. I never went. But I'm sure it's distractions from the schoolwork. But you stayed ready because you had a stronger desire to want to graduate or get your education. 
So in the case of the Christian, we, we, he, our Lord tells us to be ready for service and have your lamps lit. Verse 36, you are to be like people waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can open the door for him at once. Now, again, this is a parable. Parables are natural things that our Lord teaches to teach a spiritual reality. So we don't take everything literal to try to uh, have it congruent with a spiritual truth. But our Lord is speaking something here. He's telling us plainly, be ready because I'm coming back. And so for one, one scripture that I, I love that tells us to uh, be ready is uh, 1 Peter 3.15. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, But in your hearts regard, regard Christ the Lord as holy. That means in your heart, to be ready means to regard him as holy. Holy means to be set apart. Christ is not to be in our heart jumbled up with a lot of other stuff we love. He's to be sanctified in our hearts as holy, as set apart. As first priority, he says, do this, do this. He says, but in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. He says, be ready for this now. As a Christian, when you sanctify the Lord in your heart, you look different and people going to ask. It's not like, will they? They're going to. In a world, in a culture that we're living in, when you sanctify the Lord Jesus in your heart, they're asked, what is that joy for? What is going on? And you'll be ready, prepared to give a defense for the hope that you have, this joy that you have. I like to 2 Peter, I mean 2 Timothy 4 and 2. It says this, he says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Be ready in the summertime when they have, and in the wintertime. Be ready now. Be prepared. In season, out of season. And it says, rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. Show talked about the one another's. Be ready in season and out of season to rebuke. That's a whole nother message, but to correct and instruct, talk about the one another's. Be ready. 1 Peter 1, 13, therefore, with your minds, be ready for action. Be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Be ready. Be ready for action. Be ready to serve. Our Lord is clear here. He says, be ready for service. And then in 36, you are to be like people waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can open the door for him. Blessed, 37th verse. Blessed will be those servants the master finds what? Alert when he comes. Not distracted, but alert. On post, on guard. Blessed are those whom he finds alert. I love that because 1 Corinthians 16 and 13 tells us plainly. This teaching must have sunk into the disciples because it's scattered all throughout the epistles. 1 Corinthians 16 and 13 says, be alert, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. 
14th verse says, do everything in love. Be alert. Be alert. 1 Peter 4 and 7. The end, these are sober, this is sobering text. The end of all things is near. Now think about this 2,000 years ago, if he said the end of all things is near and the scripture is true, how much more nearer is the end of all things? He says the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded sober for prayer. What a message on prayer. Be alert. Be alert. Sober-minded for prayer. Back to our text. 37. Blessed will be those servants the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will get ready. Have them recline at the table, then come and serve them. Go back to that later. If he comes in the middle of the night or even near dawn and finds them alert, blessed are those servants. Happy are those servants. When your Lord comes, when our Lord comes and he finds us alert, we'll be joyful. But think about if our Lord comes and he finds us doing something else, then we won't be so joyful. I know, you know, Christianity is something our Lord taught us. He already said nobody knows the time nor the hour. I remember, man, people always trying to predict. They got even whole books predicting when he going to come. I remember 2000. Some of y'all weren't even born in 2000. But 2000, boy, when it came, he's coming. Computer's going to crash and all that stuff. Then if for those theological heads, you got Amil, uh, uh, you know, he's coming, uh, uh, Amil or post-mill millennium or pre-millennium. All of these different things, I don't know. I'm not, it's above my grade, but I know one thing, like my man Domingo Al Green said what? He's coming back. See, I ain't going to go as far as you went, but y'all, you don't know nothing about Al Green, but everything is going to be all right He's coming back. That I know. Like he said, hold on. <laughs> like he said he would. And, 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 but, but the reality is, is if, if we are about our business as believers, as the scripture is teaching, if we are ready, if we are alert, it really doesn't matter. We say Maranatha. Maranatha means come, Lord, quickly. And if we're saying that, that means we're ready, we're prepared. We're eager for our Lord's return so he can, man, make this stuff right. 39, still in Luke 12. But know this, if the homeowner had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. Our Lord, <laughs> he was so, the, the, the beauty of our Lord is that he came to reveal the Father. There's nothing our Lord did not share. He said, everything the Father tells me, I tell you. But one thing the Father, now, again, this is theological deepness. One thing the Father did not reveal to the Son, who was one with the Father, was when he will come back. And I heard somebody say this, and I, and I don't believe it's true, but he said, because I, the Father knew that the Son loved us so much, he knew he would spill the beans, so he wouldn't. But no, our Lord would never disobey the Father. Why? Our father, the Father didn't share it with the Son, we don't know. But one thing that he uses as an analogy, he says like a thief. You don't know when a thief going to come, because if you did, I'd have my four-fifth when I knew he was coming. When they came and took my PlayStation, I should have, but I didn't know. I was, I was a young Christian. I still had to fulfill with me. And if I'd known, I, would I, I don't know if I'd have shot him, Lord. 
but 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 the hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house been broken into. If you knew, you would probably wild out to that day. <laughs> As if the Lord didn't see everything. Come on. How many? You be wilding. Hey, the Lord is coming back next week. Okay, let me wild. Because I know the day and then that's how. But that ain't, our heart ain't right. That's, I'm speaking my heart. I, I wouldn't do that. It's just us, human nature. So he don't tell us that. But again, again, let's go down to 41, where we're going to talk about our present responsibility and how we handle it will affect our future reward or punishment. Our present responsibility and how I handle it. Peter asked the question. He's always the one to step up. Peter, he said, Lord... Peter asks, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? And, I, and the distinction I think he means is between us, the disciples, and all of your followers. Because the, the, the disciples, what this kind of points to is the fact that Jesus has a higher standard of alertness for those he calls shepherds or overseers. Now, this is all throughout. He calls watchmen on the tower. You have to be alert. A watchman has to be alert because back in those days, if the watchman fell asleep, somebody coming in, everybody is messed up. So there's a higher standard for those of us who are called in certain areas. But I think it's applicable for us all. I think it's applicable, and I'll, I'll share why I think this. He says, Lord, Peter asks, are you telling this parable for us to be alert, to be ready, to be lit, to all this stuff? Is it just for us, or does everybody? And the Lord answers in a parabolic way, <laughs> which he ain't direct. He says, for those who have ears to hear, let them hear. That's why he spoke in parables, because by the Spirit you understand biblical truth. He says, the Lord said, who then is the faithful and sensible manager his master will put in charge of his household servants to give them their allotted food at the proper time? And this is an analogy that Jesus often talked about when he told Peter, remember in John, he says, feed my sheep. The, the shepherd is one who feeds the sheep. He says, you're a servant and the, the manager, the master puts in charge. His obligation is to give the allotted food, to feed the sheep, the word of God, not his opinions, not what he thinks, but truth coming from the word of God. So that's why I think this is to primarily leaders. But our Lord says, who then? So the who, I love any type of call from the Lord of who is like whoever will answer. Whoever will answer, who will go for us, Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, who will go for us? And, and our Lord calls all believers to some sort of responsibility. There's a, there's a call, there's a call from our Lord, not only to leaders, but to all believers. And oftentimes, I, I, I hate it because we put so much emphasis on those who preach and those who sing. And when you do that, then they're the ones who, and we just come and enjoy the show, but that's not how Christianity works. It used to be in the Old Testament, it was come see, come see. Now in the New Testament, we New Testament believers is go tell, not just come see. I love the concerts. I love to see sisters where I love to preach. But if that's all we do, then we're missing it. We're not being faithful to the responsibility our master has given us. 
So our first primary call is a call he calls us to faithfulness. He says, the Lord who then is the faithful and sensible, he calls us all to faithfulness. When you get before the Lord, I'm not going to ask you how much money, what you want to hear when you stand before the Lord after you check out. Well done, my good and faithful servant. He calls us all to faithfulness and to, and, and to be wise. In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, we have to be wise. He says here, sensible. And this sensible kind of means acting in ways that is beneficial, not only to yourself, but to others. He says, the wise and sensible. That's why he says, who gives food at the allotted time. He's sensible. He proportions. He knows how to love when it needs to be loved. Knows how to correct when it needs to be correct. Instruct. But this also, before we move further through, I think it's important to know that the responsibility, though I said I think it's the primary to the leaders, but it's also to everyone because in our faith, everyone gets gifts for the profit and growth of the body of Christ. Everybody. He descended, uh, Ephesians 4, and gave gifts. Why? Because he wants your gift not to make you shine <laughs> so much. Not so you can win a Grammy, but he wants your gift to benefit the one another's. 1 Peter 4 and 10 says this, Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. That word grace is important. We don't understand. I'm going to say something about that later. But each person has received a gift. See, I, I remember somebody said before, and I don't know, I just thought of like, there's no safe, there's called sins of omission and sins of commission. Sins of commission means the stuff we do. But I think, for me, a lot of us going to get more in trouble about the sins of omission. What we omit to do. The commands our Lord tells us to do, we just, we won't do it. I think that's, that's an issue for us, the sins of omission. Ephesians 4 and says this, now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace was given to each one of us. Grace, the immeasurable goodness of his power. Grace is the enablement to do. See, when the Lord, one of the things that I'll talk about in a, as we close is that the Lord commands us to do things, which is one thing, but he empowers us to do it. You, you, don't, you don't understand. That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit. There's nothing our Lord calls us to do that we can't do. Because he gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us grace. I like Ephesians 1.19 as a definition for grace. Remember that. The immeasurable goodness of his power towards us. The immeasurable goodness of his power towards us who believe this is grace there's a power towards each believer to do what he calls us to do and in the 20th verse he says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that's amazing when you think about that power working in us the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and you mean to tell me we can't even or no we can we can Reading the text, come on, 43. Blessed is that servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that servant 
says in his heart, notice the Bible always says, says in the heart, because verbally we don't say the stuff that we really do, but in the heart. That's why the Bible says the backslider in heart is filled with his old ways. I'm still worshiping, but in my heart it's already gone, but I'm still walking in, the, in heart. And that's what he says, he says in heart. In his heart, my master is delaying his coming and starts to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. That servant's master will come on a day he does not expect him, and in an hour he does not know, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unfaithful. Man, real talk. This is part of the future punishment for those who don't, handle the responsibility now this is we getting tight here because we live in cancel culture cancel culture means if you say something I don't want to hear cancel you nobody want to hear about punishment or hell so let's cancel that all we living in a culture where the church eliminate the stuff that people don't want to hear but this we got to hear it our Lord speaks about these things <laughs> our future punishment Back in Matthew 24, 51, he says this, he adds to this, he says, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Man, I don't, I don't speak on hell with joy, man. This is, this is something. But, but the reason why Sometimes we don't accept hell. Look at some of this future punishment in 47. That servant who knew his master's will and didn't prepare himself or do it will be severely beaten. Know this, people of God, that nobody is safe from the master. The master is master whether you bow or not, whether you buck or not. Jesus is still master. And there's still a responsibility. There's no safe way to disobey God. I just won't go to church. I just won't read. That'll be safe for me. And that's not safe. Because he's still master of all. Believer and unbeliever. But the thing about punishment and judgment, as we don't understand, is that there is, check this out. Understand the, the, the supremeness of God. So when I grew up in the hood, I, if, if people would shoot at somebody. You would hear gunshots. Anybody ever heard gunshots? In they hood, yeah. Now, you hear gunshots. Do you hear sirens follow? No, sometimes, maybe. But really not. I mean, people been shot at and no sirens, no nothing. Now, let the president's motorcade come by. And somebody bust one off. They gonna come find them. It ain't gonna be no hey, hey they gonna find them, and you probably get life just for busting off in the midst of where the president at. This is what sin is. Sin is cosmic treason against a holy God. The offense, the weight of the offense is determined by the one who is being offended. God created us to worship and we don't do it. We buck, we rebel, and we use nice words to say why not or we be nice 
But God says, no, I've called you to worship. You won't do it. But even so, I've given you my son so that you can believe in him so he can cover all your sin and your lack of worship. And you don't want him. And in essence, we say to hell with God. And he says, okay, to you go. The, he, he goes on here. And, and, and this passage here is, is tricky. It's 47 verse. And that servant who knew his master's will and didn't prepare himself or do it will be severely beat. But the one who did not know and did what de- deserved punishment will receive a light beating. This, this, again, is a parable, so everything isn't, we can't just say, but people talk about, is this believers being punished? And I don't, I don't think so. Personally, we can talk about it later. I think this is unbelievers. This is unbelievers who front, because Christianity can be cool. My, my man been in the, in the Christian music industry. He can get you bread. Don't mean you love Jesus. Christianity can be Culturally cool for a minute. Christian hip hop, everybody want to. But as soon as the career gone, you move away from Jesus. Jesus says, hey, <laughs> these servants who know this stuff, been under the word, been all in it, they're going to be beaten severely. I think it's talking about judgment for those who are unbelievers who front as believers like we all sometimes do. But the one who did not know and did what deserved punishment will receive a light beating or the degrees of punishment and here I don't know all I know again is assuredly there is reward which we'll talk about and there is judgment and judgment means eternal separation from God and the weeping and gnashing of teeth is synonymous with pain there's pain involved with that just like we have pain involved when those who are separated from God our future reward Our future reward, we know, is glory. And then there's a lot about rewards we won't go into. I just want to go back to that 37th verse in 12. It says, blessed will be those servants the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, whatever Jesus says, truly, there's something to it. He will get ready. (laughs) Have them recline at the table, then come and serve them. Oh, this is weighty for me. The Lord will come and serve us. Recline. You've been faithful. I don't know if it's angels, the Lord himself. I know that Jesus washed the disciples' feet. We get to glory and been faithful. What will he do? Just relax, recline. You before the face of the Lord. That's a reward. Having ain't about the gold roads. Cool. Mansion, cool. But the Lord in his presence before his face. As I begin to close we let's stay ready let's get ready and stay ready see I, for the last few years I haven't been ready like I should be ready but long as you got breath you can get ready and as long as there's grace you can stay ready first Peter 5 and 8 says again be sober minded be alert your adversary the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour I remember when I told you about ready said and later on he became my enemy he did and 
And I knew he was ready, so I knew if ready said was ready and he my enemy, I really got to be ready. Some of us, we, we, we moved away from Satan. He's our enemy now. He's lurking. We don't fear it because we know that the Lord is a strong tower and they that run into him are safe. But we got to stay in him because God will use Satan as a roaring lion to spank us a little bit. Can't kill us, can't destroy us. The 30, we, we need to stay ready and be ready. He says, have your lamps lit. I love, back, I didn't say much about it in the 35th verse, but have your lamps lit. Stay lit, man, for Jesus. And how do we do it? Well, this is how we do it. We don't necessarily human effort, but I love Psalm 18 and 28. It says, this is a beautiful verse. Meditate on this all week. Lord, you light my lamp. My God, illuminate my darkness. Lord, there are dark areas in my light. Illuminate it. Light me up. Then the 19th verse, with you I can attack a barricade. And with my God I can leap over a wall. How many walls are in the way? So beautiful. Man. Our Lord is good. Our Lord is good. And I'm closing. I'm closing. Stand to your feet. You know, I talked about the grace of the Lord, and I want you to just, as I close with this, this verse, see, it's an amazing thing that the Lord would use any of us to call us friend, to call us servants. And this verse, man, is amazing because Paul says something. This verse, it, it, it's one of the most, he, 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 and two, he does two things. He sounds so humble and he sounds extremely arrogant. But then he tells us what's up and why he says what he says. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. Paul says, for I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. <laughs> Ain't nobody worthy to preach, to sing, to be a servant of the Lord, to be in the presence of the Lord. To be in the presence of the Lord was dangerous. We're not worthy. He makes us worthy. And Paul understood that that's humility. I'm not worthy. But look at this. 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And listen, and his grace toward me was not in vain. That means the, this, the immeasurable greatness of his power towards me was not in vain. He didn't just empower me. He just didn't call me to himself and giving me all of this truth and giving me people in my life for me to just sit. That would be in vain. Why would the Lord save and do all he wants us to serve, but he says his grace toward me was not in vain. Here goes the arrogant part. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. <laughs> Can you imagine somebody coming here? I served better than any of them. I served more places than anybody. But Paul ends it like this. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Believers, we don't have to fear punishment. 
we don't even have to be so gung-ho about reward. What we do is we posture our hearts to continue to receive the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us through the proclamation, through the fellowship. And we ask, Lord, what is your will? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve? It's important. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to proclaim your truth. I know, Lord, that the number one responsibility of every human is to answer the call to salvation. That's our first responsibility, and I pray if anybody in this place has not answered that call, does not understand this, this, this simple but enormous eternal truth that they are sinners created in the image and likeness of God, created for worship, but yet we, because of our nature, because of our desire for other things than God, we sin against him. But instead of him casting us away, he sent his son to live a life we could not live and die to death. We deserve to die. And if we would accept, receive, trust in him, we would be saved. A message that is murky these days because so much is being highlighted, but this is a truth for all eternity, a truth that needs to be proclaimed not just from pulpits, but from pews and schools, like my brother said, in malls, from the lips of babes, the gospel must be proclaimed. It is the responsibility of every believer to proclaim it and everyone who hears to receive it. So help us, Lord, to be the people you called us to be. In your son Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information about Blueprint Church, visit us online at blueprintchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Blueprint Church. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.